Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Alice is Everywhere. We will talk about everything Alice in Wonderland on this podcast. We are going to talk about Alice in Wonderland movies and TV shows. We'll analyze the books. We'll talk about Alice's influence on fashion and popular culture. We'll talk about how to have a tea party for your birthday. We'll talk a lot about the author, Lewis Carroll. We are going to talk about all of these things eventually. But first, I want to make sure everyone has actually read the book, or at least listened to it. Because despite Alice's Adventures in Wonderland being one of the most popular books in the entire world, I have a theory that very few people have actually read it cover to cover. Now this is partially because anecdotally, when I ask friends and family who are familiar with my obsession, hey, you've read the books, right? They usually answer, "Mm, I think I read it as a kid, or "Mm, maybe we read it in school. I doubt both of these scenarios. And if you think that means I'm calling my family and friends big fat liars, that's not the case. I mean, that's the case with some of them, absolutely, but not most of them. For the most part, I think we are just all so incredibly familiar with these iconic characters, we think we've read it, even when we haven't. And I'm not using the royal we in this instance, as I have read it at least once a year since I was seven years old. Specifically, I doubt people's claims of reading it in school because it's rarely taught in schools because there's a lot of debate as to what the correct age is to introduce it to kids. So unless you read it in college, I I don't know if school applies so much here. And as for people who claim to have read it on their own as a kid... Unless you had parents that directed you to the bookshelf whenever you complained of being bored, or if you're a real bookworm or maybe a somewhat weird kid like me, I doubt you would seek it out simply because it looks pretty daunting. Um, Case in point, I gave my nine-year-old niece a copy of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland this past Christmas, and I was so careful to choose an edition with adorable, extra kid-friendly illustrations Those illustrations are by Helen Oxenberry, if anyone is wondering. And my niece tore open the gift, took one glance at it, muttered, that's really big, and then kind of pushed it aside and was on to the next thing. Honestly, I'm scared we're raising a whole generation of kids who will never actually read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I mean, I'm scared they're, they're never directed to the family bookshelf because maybe they don't complain of being bored anymore. There's always something to do because there's constantly a device in their hands, right? There's always a mindless game to play or selfie to post or friend to text. When will their minds ever be quiet enough to realize the futility of existence and and make them want to escape to Wonderland? I kid. Not, Not really. You know, I had a film professor who once said the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is the most referenced movie that nobody's actually seen. And I feel like Alice's Adventures in Wonderland is the literary equivalent of that. Hey, I want you all to know that despite things like remarks on the futility of existence and references to Louis Bunuel movies, Alice is Everywhere will be a 100% family-friendly podcast. There will be no swearing. If anything approaches a PG-13 rating, I will tell you well in advance. I would absolutely love it if grown-ups who have never actually read the books listen to Alice is Everywhere on their way to work or on the treadmill or whatever. But my real dream is to have kids listen to it, kids and parents together even. Because one thing that tends to get lost in all the serious discussion about this book is how freaking funny it is. And also how being able to talk to a bunch of crazy animals would be awesome. So 
The first 12 episodes of Alice is Everywhere will be me reading one chapter of the book and then discussing it and giving you some extra background info that will hopefully make you enjoy it even more. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? Chapter 1, Down the Rabbit Hole Alice was beginning to get very tired of sitting by her sister on the bank and of having nothing to do. Once or twice she had peeped into the book her sister was reading, but it had no pictures or conversations in it. And what is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or conversations? So she was considering, in her own mind, as well as she could, for the hot day made her feel very sleepy and stupid, whether the pleasure of making a daisy chain would be worth the trouble of getting up and picking the daisies, when suddenly a white rabbit with pink eyes ran close by her. There was nothing so very remarkable in that, nor did Alice think it so very much out of the way to hear the rabbit say to itself, Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be too late. When she thought it over afterwards, it occurred to her that she ought to have wondered at this, but at the time it all seemed quite natural. But when the rabbit actually took a watch out of its waistcoat pocket and looked at it and then hurried on, Alice started to her feet, for it flashed across her mind that she had never before seen a rabbit with either a waistcoat pocket or a watch to take out of it, and burning with curiosity, she ran across the field after it and was just in time to see it pop down a large rabbit hole under the hedge. In another moment, down went Alice after it, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again. The rabbit hole went straight on like a tunnel for some way and then dipped suddenly down, so suddenly that Alice had not a moment to think about stopping herself before she found herself falling down what seemed to be a very deep well. Either the well was very deep, or she fell very slowly, for she had plenty of time as she went down to look about her, and to wonder what was going to happen next. First she tried to look down and make out what she was coming to, but it was too dark to see anything. Then she looked at the sides of the well and noticed they were filled with cupboards and bookshelves. Here and there she saw maps and pictures hung, hung upon pegs. She took down a jar from one of the shelves as she passed. It was labeled orange marmalade, but to her great disappointment it was empty. She did not like to drop the jar for fear of fear of killing somebody underneath, so managed to put it into one of the cupboards as she fell past it. Well, thought Alice to herself, after such a fall as this, I shall think nothing of tumbling downstairs. How brave they'll all think me at home. Why, I wouldn't say anything about it, even if I fell off the top of the house. Which was very likely true. Down, down, down. Would the fall never come to an end? I wonder how many miles I've fallen by this time, she said aloud. I must be getting somewhere near the center of the earth. Let me see. That would be 4,000 miles down, I think. For you see, Alice had learned several things of this sort in her lessons in the schoolroom, and though this was not a very good opportunity for showing off her knowledge, as there was no one to listen to her, still it was good practice to say it over. Yes, that's about the right distance. But then I wonder what latitude or longitude I've got to. Alice had not the slightest idea what latitude was, or longitude either, but she thought they were nice, grand words to say. Presently she began again. I wonder if I shall fall right through the earth. How funny it'll seem to come out among the people that walk with their heads downwards. The antipathies, I think. She was rather glad there was no one listening this time, as it didn't sound at all the right word. But I shall have to ask them what the name of the country is, you know. Please, ma'am, is this New Zealand or Australia? And she tried to curtsy as she spoke. Fancy curtsying as you're falling through the air. Do you think she could manage it? And what an ignorant little girl she'll think me for asking. No, it'll never do to ask. 
perhaps I shall see it written up somewhere. Down, down, down. There was nothing else to do, so Alice soon began talking again. Dinah will miss me very much tonight, I should think. Dinah was a cat. I hope they'll remember her saucer of milk at tea time. Dinah, my dear, I wish you were down here with me. There are no mice in the air, I'm afraid, but you might catch a bat, and that's very like a mouse, you know. But do cats eat bats, I wonder? And here Alice began to get rather sleepy and went on saying to herself in a dreamy sort of way, Do cats eat bats? Do cats eat bats? And sometimes, do bats eat cats? For you see, as she couldn't answer either question, it didn't much matter which way she put it, she felt that she was dozing off and had just begun to dream that she was walking hand in hand with Dinah and was saying to her very earnestly, Now, Dinah, tell me the truth. Did you ever eat a bat? When suddenly, thump, thump, down she came upon a heap of sticks and dry leaves, and the fall was over. Alice was not a bit hurt, and she jumped up on her feet in a moment. She looked up, but it was all dark overhead. Before her was another long passage, and the white rabbit was still in sight, hurrying down it. There was not a moment to be lost. Away went Alice like the wind, and was just in time to hear it say as it turned a corner, Oh, my ears and whiskers, how late it's getting! She was close behind it when she turned the corner, but the rabbit was no longer to be seen. She found herself in a long, low hall, which was lit up by a row of lamps hanging from the roof. There were doors all round the hall, but they were all locked, and when Alice had been all the way down one side and up the other, trying every door, she walked sadly down the middle, wondering how she was ever to get out again. Suddenly, she came upon a little three-legged table, all made of solid glass. There was nothing on it but a tiny golden key, and Alice's first idea was that this might belong to one of the doors of the hall, but alas, either the locks were too large or the key was too small, but at any rate, it would not open any of them. However, on the second time round, she came upon a low curtain she had not noticed before, and behind it was a little door about 15 inches high. She tried the little golden key in the lock, and to her great delight it fitted. Alice opened the door and found that it led into a small passage, not much larger than a rat hole. She knelt down and looked along the passage into the loveliest garden you ever saw. How she longed to get out of that dark hall and wander about among those beds of bright flowers and those cool fountains, but she could not even get her head through the doorway. And even if my head would go through, thought poor Alice, it would be of very little use without my shoulders. Oh, how I wish I could shut up like a telescope. I think I could if I only knew how to begin. For you see so many out-of-the-way things that happened lately that Alice had begun to think that very few things indeed were really impossible. There seemed to be no use in waiting by the little door, so she went back to the table, half hoping that she might find another key on it, or at any rate a book of rules for shutting people up like telescopes. This time she found a little bottle on it, which certainly was not here before, said Alice, and tied round the neck of the bottle was a paper label with the words, Drink Me, beautifully printed on it in large letters. Now, it was all very well to say, drink me, but the wise little Alice was not going to do that in a hurry. No, I'll look first, she said, and see whether it's marked poison or not. For she had read several nice little stories about children who had got burnt and eaten up by wild beasts and other unpleasant things, all because they would not remember the simple rules their friends had taught them, such as that a red-hot poker will burn you if you hold it too long, and that if you cut your finger very deeply with a knife, it usually bleeds, and she had never forgotten that if you drink, drink much from a bottle marked poison, it is almost certain to disagree with you sooner or later. 
However, this bottle was not marked poison, so Alice ventured to taste it, and finding it very nice, it had, in fact, a sort of mixed flavor of cherry tart, custard, pineapple, roast turkey, toffee, and hot buttered toast. She very soon finished it off. What a curious feeling, said Alice. I must be shutting up like a telescope. And so it was indeed. She was now only ten inches high, and her face brightened up at the thought that she was now the right size for going through the little door into that lovely garden. First, however, she waited for a few minutes to see if she was going to shrink any further. She felt a little nervous about this. For it might end, you know, said Alice to herself. Am I going out altogether, like a candle? I wonder what I should be like then. And she tried to fancy what the flame of a candle looks like after the candle is blown out, for she could not remember ha ever having seen such a thing. After a while, finding that nothing more happened, she decided on going into the garden at once. But alas for poor Alice. When she got to the door, she found she had forgotten the little golden key. And when she went back to the table for it, she, she found she could not possibly reach it. She could see it quite plainly through the glass, and she tried her best to climb up one of the legs of the table, but it was too slippery. And when she had tired herself out with trying, the poor little thing sat down and cried. Come, there's no use in crying like that, said Alice to herself, rather sharply. I advise you to leave off this minute. She generally gave herself very good advice, though she very seldom followed it, and sometimes she scolded herself so severely as to bring tears into her eyes. And once she remembered trying to box her own ears for having cheated herself in a game of croquet she was playing against herself, for this curious child was very fond of pretending to be two people. But it's no use now, thought poor Alice, to pretend to be two people. Why, there's hardly enough of me left to make one respectable person. Soon her eye fell on a little glass box that was lying under the table. She opened it and found in it a very small cake on which the words eat me were beautifully marked in currants. Well, I'll eat it, said Alice, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key, and if it makes me grow smaller, I can creep under the door, so either way I'll get into the garden, and I don't care which happens. She ate a little bit and said anxiously to herself, which way, which way, holding her hand on the top of her head to feel which way it was growing, and she was quite surprised to find that she remained the same size. To be sure, this is what generally happens when one eats cake, but Alice had got so much into the way of expecting nothing but out of the way things to happen that it seemed quite dull and stupid for life to go on in the common way. So she set to work and very soon finished off the cake. Oh my gosh, the suspense. Which way, which way? You guys must be dying. But my lips are sealed. I am not telling. You will have to wait until next time to see if Alice grows larger or smaller. In fact, in general, I will try my hardest not to give any spoilers throughout this process. I know the majority of you are familiar with a lot of the characters in the book, at the very least, but I don't want you to know who's coming up next, or if a character reappears later, or anything, really. So, let's discuss chapter one, shall we? One of the many things I love about Alice's Adventures in Wonderland is how economical it is, meaning no time is wasted in starting the interesting stuff. I know that when you're listening to me, you can't tell if a pause is a comma or a period or a colon. I don't know, let's just list them all. Or a semicolon or an ellipses. Let me just tell you, Alice sees a white rabbit in the second sentence of the entire book. The second sentence. Now somehow, if you manage to get bored during the first sentence, it contains our first very quotable Alice in Wonderland quote, What is the use of a book without pictures or conversations? 
So Alice sees Mr. Rabbit, notices his unusual sartorial choices, and follows him. I love the sentence, in another moment, down went Alice after it, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again, because that is exactly how it was when Lewis Carroll started telling the story for the first time. He wrote afterwards that he had no idea how she was to get out again, no idea what was going to happen to her after she followed the rabbit. He just made it up as he went along. And thank goodness he did. So as Alice falls down the rabbit hole, we get our first taste of just how much this girl likes to talk to herself. Uh, she, she shows off some of her knowledge she learned in school. Some of it's even correct. The antipathies she mentions would be the antipodes, which is a phrase that people in the northern part of the world use to refer to the southern part of the world. Or I don't know, they used to. I don't, I don't think they really do anymore. But in Victorian times, Australia and New Zealand were often called the antipodes. As she is following, falling, we also get our first reference to Dinah, her cat. I would love to know how many cats in the world have been named Dinah because of Alice. By the by, I own several copies of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and they don't vary almost at all. But when Alice curtsies in midair as she's falling down the rabbit hole, three of my books say, do you think you could manage it? And one book says, do you think she could manage it? Now, despite the majority leaning towards you, I said she because the version I read growing up said she. And that's just what I prefer and what's stuck in my head. Anywho, Alice lands, and she's totally fine. A lot of scholars and essay writing types and just boring grown-ups in general like to expound upon how Alice is a teeny tiny little helpless child in a scary world where violence and injury await her at every turn. Eh, I'm not buying it. I think with the sentence, Alice was not a bit hurt and she jumped up to her feet in a moment, that is a pretty big clue that everything's going to be just fine in Wonderland. I mean, yeah, it's going to be weird, but if you can fall to the center of the earth, thump thump, land on a pile of sticks and be a-okay, Nothing really bad is going to happen to you on this trip. She follows a white rabbit, and all of a sudden she's not in a hole anymore. She's in a hallway surrounded by doors. It's here we get our first drink me and eat me, the first of which makes her shrink in size. And this is where people usually ask if the author, Lewis Carroll, was on drugs. The answer is almost certainly no. There is no evidence of that whatsoever. We will definitely discuss that more at a later time. But for now, when Alice sees the drink me bottle, we get a humorous passage that kind of makes fun of the popular fairy tales of the day. I believe that's another clue that no one's going to be shoved in an oven or eaten by a witch or anything in this story, that Alice will be able to handle herself just fine. And some of the imagery in this passage I find just beautiful, trying to remember what a candle looks like after it's been blown out, or shutting oneself up like a telescope. I think it's imagery like this that attracts moody teenagers to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I mean, who hasn't wanted to shut oneself up like a telescope and disappear? Towards the end of the chapter, we get another often quoted, or should I say misquoted, passage. She generally gave herself very good, vi good advice, and then parentheses, though she very seldom followed it. Now, side note, I often get annoyed at the proliferation of incorrect Lewis Carroll quotes out there, 
In this case, I don't like it, but I can understand why Instagrammers and pin Pinteresters, Pinners? What do you call people on Pinterest? I don't know. But I can understand why people usually post the Disney-fied version of this quote, which is something like, I give myself good advice, but very seldom follow it. It's prettier to look at because there's no parentheses and it's in the first person. So I can't endorse it, but that one I understand. And then at the very end of the chapter, we get our first cliffhanger of the book. Alice eats the eat me cake and is waiting to see what happens, as are we. Thank you so much for listening to my debut episode. If you enjoyed it and you're listening via iTunes or Stitcher, please go ahead and leave me a review and help spread the good word about nonsense literature. If you want to learn more about Alice in Wonderland and Lewis Carroll, please visit my website, aliceiseverywhere.com, where I welcome your comments. If you want to contact me directly, you can email me at heather at aliceiseverywhere.com. You can use the contact form on the website or go ahead and reach out via social media. I'm on them all, I think. So many, so many platforms. So I will see you next time when we read Chapter 2, The Pool of Tears, and we will also talk about the real Alice. Thanks again. Talk soon.